0: Welcome to this message from Alpha and Omega Christian steps. Fellowship. And what we are I a family on a journey to become more like, like Christ, Christ next step sharing His too. kingdom but I really by expressing want to flesh out His love. A bit more we hope that you will be blessed and given. encouraged by fully what we given. have to share. I can say that that is the essence of what I want to communicate with you this morning, that I believe is on the heart of God. There's a couple of key principles, just a very simple principle that I really want to convey today that is on my heart, and that if we really take this principle to heart, I believe it can produce steady, consistent growth and change in our hearts and lives. We've been talking about a wholehearted pursuit of God's heart. Consecration, seeking after the wisdom and the knowledge and the understanding of who Jesus is. And we've said that wisdom truly in its essence, in its very simplest form, is simply the pursuit to... To, to live life God's way. That is wisdom, because way, God's ways are righteous, they are just, they are good, and they produce blessed and wonderful fruit. We all understand that the primary goal of the Christian life is to become more like Jesus, because it is His life that produces good fruit, not our own. Our own goodness, our own the best that we have to give, is never going to compare with or be good enough But God, in His mercy, has deposited the very life and nature of Christ in us. So that from that life, we can live. Here's what I found. That's wonderful. Keep quiet now, Siri. Goodness gracious. So the primary purpose of the Christian life is to become more and more like Jesus. But the realization we're all faced with is that this is a process. It is a process. It is a lifelong process. And there are seasons and times in our lives where we are more aware that we are in the process and therefore given to the process, and so we understand and we see the fruit and and, and what it is that God is trying to work on in our lives. But there are other seasons and times in our lives where we are distracted. We're so caught up in other things that we forget about this process. We lose sight of this process. We become, in a sense, spiritually bogged down, almost as if our feet are in very deep mud. I don't know about you. Have you ever been somewhere and had your tackies or your wellingtons caught in the mud, and you try and pull them out, and you end up losing your shoe in the mud, and then you 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 lost your balance, and now you've got a wet and dirty sock. Sometimes, spiritually, things feel that way. You're not in a bad place. You're not where you used to be. You've just been stuck where you are for so long that getting out of that rut is really difficult. Another way of thinking about it is that if you travel down a, a road where there's mud and you continue on the same journey over and over and over again, eventually what happens is you develop ruts in the road. And when your wheels are in those grooves, you don't even need to steer anymore. You don't have to think. Your car will naturally follow the path of those grooves. And this is so often what happens in our lives. We don't even think anymore. We're not conscious. We're not being deliberate about things. We're literally following the same ways of thinking, the same patterns of doing things. We relate to people in the same way, and our life just continues to follow the same course. The trick is that if we want to change course, if we realize that there are things in us that we could be doing better or differently, it takes a lot more energy to get out of those ruts. If you're on a flat road and you want to turn your wheel, it's quite easy, especially with power steering. Well, when you're in the grooves, that takes a bit more effort, and it takes a bit more oomph from your engine as well. But thank God, Jesus has given us the Holy Spirit. He gives us power steering. He gives us oomph. He gives us four by four. He gives us everything we need to in order to get In fact, he's just so awesome, he could sometimes just lift you right out of those ruts and put you on a brand new road. But these are the places we often find ourselves in, simply because we're just busy, busy with life. And it's from those perspectives we often look ahead and we plan our year and we plan what we're going to do. So if, as I've said to you and as we've been talking about for a while, our aim and our goal and our purpose as believers is to become more like Jesus. And we're asking ourselves, what is the next step for me in that journey? Where am I? Where am I stuck perhaps? What have I just been doing without even thinking? And is there more? Is God desiring more for me? Is God desiring more from me? Where am I in this process of my spiritual development? And what is the next step for me? So that So When I recognize what that next step may be, I can give myself to it. Now, that doesn't mean I have all the answers. That doesn't necessarily mean I even know what the destination is. What it does mean is that I recognize that God is speaking to me about something, and I choose to step into that. Step into his presence. Step into listening to what it is that me he may have to say to me today. Last week we read Hebrews chapter 10, verse seven, sorry, a couple of weeks ago, where it's spoken of Jesus, where he said, "Behold, I have come to do your will, O God, as it is written of me in the scroll of the book." And the question I'm asking you, do you know what is written of you and your life in God's book, with your name on the cover and your picture? What is written inside that book? What chapter are you on? And what is the next chapter? You see, what's written about your book contains two vital pieces of information. Number one, it contains your identity. If you look in Scripture, where God begins to speak to people, the first thing He affirms is their identity. Jeremiah, I have called you to be a prophet. I knew you before you were even formed. When he says to Jesus, His very own Son, At at his baptism, he says, This is my Son, whom I love, in whom I am well pleased. The first thing he affirms is identity. And the next thing he does is he affirms purpose. Purpose. And from there he led Jesus away. From there, Isaiah stepped into his destiny. And I want to say to you that as you are looking at your life and you are considering these questions, what is my next chapter? What is this next thing that I have to be giving myself to? So often we think, Uh, What is the thing I have to be doing as if there's a list of tasks that need to be done? Maybe that's the case. Who knows? But I want you to understand that these two things remain equally important now. Everything needs to begin with identity. As we talk about the next chapter, what is the next step for me? The next step for you is never going to be a departure from your identity. It's going to be a step deeper into your identity as a saved, redeemed child of God. And with that, with the realization, a deeper understanding of that identity, you will discover greater purpose. I remember many, many years ago, I was reading Romans chapter 8, towards the end where it speaks about the love of God and who can separate us from the love of God. And in a moment, God blessed my heart with such a revelation and an awareness of His love that I was a son of God, that I was loved no matter what. My shame was lifted off me because in those mo- that moment in my life, I was so aware of my fallen, fallenness, my sinfulness, my lack of, 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 of worthiness. And I remember just that revelation of identity unlocked for me, not only an intimacy with God that took me to another level, but purpose came with that. Purpose, the realization that I was created, and your primary purpose is to love God and enjoy Him forever. That's what you and I were created for. But our purpose can't be separated from our identity. So what I'm saying to you is that in the season as we ask ourselves these questions, there are two things we need to focus on. Why? Because your your identity reveals your purpose. When you know who you are, you begin to see why you were created. And then the outworking of your purpose manifests your identity to the rest of the world. You see, there are two parallel truths, and these are the principles that I want to convey to you this morning. And I, want, I pray that as they, as, as they settle down in your heart today, that as you think through them, they will have an impact on your week and on your quiet times, and as you think these things through in the weeks to come. Number one is this. Here is the first truth, and I want you to write this down or take note of this, because there is, it, it is worth meditating on. What you do is a reflection of who you are. What you do is a reflection of who you are. Folks, unfortunately, our intentions are a very poor barometer of our character. Our actions reveal who we truly are. Jesus said it this way, Matthew seven seventeen to 18 So every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. No matter what your intention is, the fruit of your life, your attitudes, the way you treat people, the way you behave, the habits you engage in on a regular basis, those reveal who you really are, regardless of what your intentions are. And so, as we talk about next steps, as we talk about understanding the call that God may have on our lives, or the things that He may want us to be giving ourselves to, we need to understand, so often we get caught in, okay, is this something I need to do? We need to then focus not so much on what I have to do, but the focus needs to be on who I really am. Because when I focus on who I am, the things that I do will become a reflection of that. Amen? Do you agree with that way of thinking? But there is a parallel truth that goes with this. As much as what you do is a reflection of who you really are, here's the second truth that I want you to write down. Who you are becoming is dependent on what you do. Who you are becoming is dependent on what you do. If we're talking about change, growing in Christ-likeness, we need to understand that although who I am will be reflected in what I do, I am called to change, to take on a greater likeness of the nature of Jesus Christ. That change comes through what I do. And so as much as the one is the reflection of the other, the other feeds back into the first. What I do on the daily will determine who I'm going to be. What you see before me is a reflection of my eating and exercise habits in my physical body. It tells a story. My intentions don't matter. This tells a story. Every one of us, looking in the mirror, read a story. And the mirror doesn't lie, folks. So if I want to change the story, I'm going to have to change something that I do on a regular basis. Amen? Very simple principle, but the spiritual principle is true too. To just say that I don't, I, I don't have to focus on what I do because Jesus is working in me and somehow that will come out, it just doesn't happen automatically. This is what we've been talking about. You see, the first part takes absolutely no effort at all. It takes no effort to manifest who you are. You don't have to think about it. It's those grooves. It's who you are. You manifest who you are without even thinking. But the second requires real diligence. You see, the problem and the struggle for most believers with this is that they haven't truly realized who they really are. There are gaps in their understanding of of, of the recreated person that God has made them to be. And the issues of their life, therefore, spring forth from an unhealthy heart. Again, let's use a physical body. I am a whole physical person, all my limbs and and, and parts and organs are working, they are functioning as they ought to, but you know what can happen? Sometimes things come in, you get a virus, you get a bacterial infection, and what happens? There's a perversion. Something is going on inside that is not how you were created to be, but there's a reality that is taking place in you. And many people spiritually are carrying within themselves viral identity infections that corrupt and pervert what was made to be healthy and whole. They have believed the lie from the enemy. How do you catch a viral infection? You catch it from the people around you. We've we've learned a lot about this in the past few years, right? You should tell more people to wear spiritual masks. Shut masks. Keep quiet. Hide that. (laughs) Because we catch things from the world around us. We catch things from the spirit of the air. We catch things from other people's insecurities and other people's lies that they believe and that they project onto us. And what is the result? Insecurity, anxiety, depression, fear, apathy. These are all symptoms of an infection, of an identity sickness. Because we haven't realized the truth of who Jesus has made us to be. You see, there are aspects in our thinking and in our perspective that undermine and contradict what the Word of God says about our lives. This is not how God created us to live. And this is why in the book of Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23, God tells us to keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it flow the issues of life. This speaks to both parts of, of those principles that I was saying to you. The first one being, out of it flow those, the issues of life. They come out of your heart. That is naturally who you are. You will always live from your heart, and you will always manifest who it is that you truly are inside. But the first part speaks to the place I'm placing emphasis today, keeping our hearts with all diligence. It's the realization that what I do today affects and will determine who I will be tomorrow and the person I am becoming, the character that I am developing. Let's give you some definitions for some key words in the scripture. The word keep, it says, keep your heart with all diligence. The word keep means to protect, to guard, to tend to, as if in a garden, and to take care of. It's very deliberate. And it says, keep your heart, not lackadaisically, not in a laissez-faire way, not, not just be aware of what's going on in your heart, but it says, keep your heart with all diligence. And that word diligence means careful and persistent work or effort. Another definition steady, earnest, and energetic effort. Can you all say the word with me, effort? Effort. 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 <sighs> effort. Effort. Oh, my goodness. More effort. It seems like everything in life today is just taking effort. Man, we're tired. Managing the kids, oh, it's effort. Going to the job, it's effort. Brushing my teeth, is just effort. We're tired, we're worn out, we're drained. And then you come to church on a Sunday, and there's a guy who stands in front of you saying, no, you need to work harder, man. And Effort. One of my mantras, something I try to live by, I don't always succeed, but I try to live by this mantra. Anything worth doing is worth doing well. If it's not worth doing well, it's not worth doing at all. Because if I'm not prepared to do it well, it means my heart's not in it in the first place. And if my heart's not in it, forget it. There's no point, there's no fruit, there's no blessing in that. The reality that we need to come to terms with, and come to peace with, is that spiritual development requires effort. There is no shortcut. There is no way around it. There is no such thing as spiritual liposuction. (laughs) Oh. In the same way for me to hone and tone my physical body I have to eat right, I have to think right, I have to behave right and exercise right. The same is true of my spirit man. The catch is, for some reason, our thinking so often is that our spiritual realities are ethereal. They're kind of out there and they're unaffected by our natural realities. This could not be further from the truth. Where we are deliberate about anything, we get to see fantastic results. If I'm deliberate about my well being physically, I get the opportunity to see fantastic results. If I am deliberate about my financial well being, I have the opportunity to see fantastic results. If I'm deliberate about my education, I have the opportunity to see fantastic results. About my work, about anything, This is the gift of God. This is the gift that God gives to you and to me, free will and work, that we may invest our lives in such a way that we can produce and see fruit and see growth. And this is the same for your spirit man. This is the same for your relationship with Jesus Christ. Change requires effort, and effort requires sacrifice. That is just the way it is, folks. Now, I don't know about you, there are sometimes. I'll use washing the dishes as an example because it's just the one chore behind, around the house I just really don't enjoy doing. When my wife asks me to wash the dishes, there goes the joy. Now I'm doing something because I've been told to do it. I still do it and I'll find the joy in it, but I'm just talking about I'm just being vulnerable about my immediate heart's responses. Oh, now I have to do something because she asked me to do. I could say no. That would be so stupid. <laughs> This flip side of that is, my wife's gone to work, there's stuff in the sink, I'm at home, I wash the dishes without being told. She comes home, I've got a happy wife. It doesn't take much to please my wife, I'm very blessed. I just, clean sink, she's happy. Clean home, she's happy. Now listen to me, let me ask you a question, did the task change? task is the same. My attitude in that sacrifice, my attitude in that small thing, and I understand this is a small, silly example, but it brings the point home. My attitude makes the world of difference. When you in a marriage reach a point where taking effort for your spouse to bless them is an issue, there's something wrong with your heart attitude. Because when you first met met that person, you you would put in all the effort you could. That's why in the book of Revelation, when Jesus writes to the church in Ephesus, he says, you're doing the stuff, you're doing the things you're supposed to be doing, but you've left your first love. You've forgotten why you're doing it in the first place. You see, as Christians, we often moan, I don't have time to have a quiet time, and oh, I've got to do my Bible reading today, and oh, I need to do a devotional. You don't have to do anything, folks. You don't have to do anything. Nothing. But you're not going to grow. What we put in is a reflection of the affection we have for Jesus. What we do reveals our heart attitude. So if these things are burdensome to us, if we can never get around to them, if we are making all kinds of excuses because our schedules are so busy and we just don't have time, don't lie to yourself. It's not that you don't have time. It's that there's a heart issue, that this is not truly important enough for you. Your intention is a poor barometer of your character. Your actions reveal the truth about the state of your relationship with Jesus. That's uncomfortable, but it's true. But I've got good news for you this morning. The presence of God longs to spend time with you. He is reaching out to draw you in and back into that first love. Because Jesus is absolutely crazy about you. God the Father adores you as His child, and all He wants to do, what He is looking for from you is to bring you out of a life which is so far below everything He died to give you. That's all God is trying to bring you out of. The effort, the sacrifice, what is it for? It's for your blessing, beloved child of God. And so I'm hoping what I'm saying today will liberate you and shake you a little bit out of the excuses that you make because God is wanting to take you to another level. He's wanting you to take another step of faith into the call and the purposes He has got for you through intimacy with Him. Every step of growth, however, is going to cost you something. When I became a married man, I came into marriage, I'll be honest with you, fully believing that I was a very patient and a very self-sacrificial person. (laughs) Rick, in his little moment there, just went, you're right. Marriage was a wake-up call to just how selfish I truly was. And when I thought I had grown a little bit, I had a child. And then I revealed all over again how much selfishness was still there. This is a journey of growth. Every step of growth costs me something. Every step of growth is going to cost you. But it's worth it. It is worth it because I have a a wife and a wonderful marriage. I have two beautiful children who I adore with all my heart. What price would not be worth it? What effort would be too much? And yet, if we think the same way about this blessed relationship we get to enjoy with Jesus, wow, what a privilege! What effort is too much? What sacrifice is too great? Folks, the effort required in spiritual development is not measured by how hard we work. It is measured by how much we are given to discovering and living out God's heart in every area of our lives. That's the effort. That's the sacrifice. It's a matter of the will way before it's a matter of the task. When the will is taken care of, the task takes care of itself. The shift and the step so often for you and I is the step of will, if I am willing and obedient. If we focus on the obedience without the willingness, we we lose the plot, we miss it completely. But this willingness, this change of attitude, comes through only one means, and that is through intimacy with Jesus himself. Growth, change, and increase in the kingdom of God come through pursuing intimacy with Jesus and obedience to His words and instructions. Let me read you some scriptures to back up what I'm saying. 2 Corinthians 3.18 says this, And we all, from the Amplified Bible, and we all with unveiled face, in other words, there's nothing between us and God anymore. Jesus has taken care of all of that, so that face to face we may spend time with Him, continually seeing, as in a mirror, the glory of the Lord, are progressively being transformed into His image. That word progressively denotes again, a process, little by little, step by step, from one degree of glory to even more glory, which comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. John chapter 15 is one of my favorite portions of Scripture, the first few verses. It speaks of the parable of the vine, and Jesus is is teaching this principle to his disciples. I'll read it for you. He says this, I am the true vine, my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit he takes away, And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Let's just pause. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. Jesus is not looking for intention. Because intention means very little. Where's the fruit? The fruit is the truth. And if we are willing to allow ourselves to look at the truth, and the truth look us deep in the heart, that truth will set us free from the lies of our complacency. That truth will point us to the next step we need to take. It is a marker. My actions are telling me a story, and they are pointing me in a direction, if I will, am willing to see it for what it is. Chapter 3. Already you are clean because, the, because of the word that I have spoken to you. Here he's speaking about identity. It's settled. Abide in me, he says, and I in you. As the branch can't bear fruit of itself. This is the beautiful thing. Jesus, this this is the amazing thing. Jesus calls us to bear fruit that we are incapable of bearing without him. You may say that is unfair. Well, if it was that way, it would be all about performance. And Jesus is saying it's not about that. I will cause fruit to come out of your life, but it's going to come through intimacy with me. A branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered and thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, you will ask what you wish, and it will be done for you by my Father. And by this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. The fruit of your life and the fruit of my life reveals who and what we truly are. In other words, what we are truly given to. If I want to begin changing the fruit that I see, I need to change the habits and put in place the steps now that will determine who I will be in time to come. Because today I am an expression and a revelation and a manifestation of everything that is in my heart. If I want to change who I am, if I want to change what I'm doing, and I want to change my experience, I get to make small decisions every day now, and that will bring about the change down the line. That will change who I become, who I grow into, the man that I, I want to be. I watched a movie the other day that, that had me thinking. Um, and it was, it was um, a bunch of guys that went out married, and they, were, they went out on an adventure. And at one point, there was a lady who was interested in one of the guys, and uh, he said, no, 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 he's not interested. And his friend was like, but your wife will never know. Your wife will never know. He said, no, but I will know. I don't. He says, are you telling me that if a, a, a Martian came down and nobody would ever know, you wouldn't? He said, no. He says, what's wrong with you? He said, I wouldn't because I wouldn't like myself if I did that. In other words, there was something that he would see in himself that would be incongruent with the man or woman, well, in his case, the man that he saw himself to be, incongruent with his identity. Let me ask you a question. Are there parts of your character, are there parts of your habits and your daily behavior when you look at yourself that you don't like? Are there parts of your character and your responses and your actions to people around you that you feel, hmm, that needs work? I could be better in this area. These are the signposts that point to your steps. I'm too quick-tempered. I get crossed too quickly or I'm too irritable. Maybe I'm still carrying something concerning this person. Whatever it may be, I don't know. I don't know what your buttons are. Maybe there's still a propensity towards a certain kind of sin in your life. Maybe it's an attitude. Maybe it's a depression or an anxiety. Do you like that about yourself? Are you happy about that? Do you, do you, are you happy to manifest that in public, or is that something you keep for your private life? No, no, no. These are our signposts. These are the, points that, the things that point us, cause us to look to Jesus and say, Jesus, I need help here. Would you help me here? What does your word say about this situation, about this attitude, about this moment? And allow through intimacy with him, your heart and your behavior to begin to change. You see, obedience to God's word is not about the results. It's not about the action per se. It is about the personal transformation into the likeness of Christ. That's what it's about. That's the ultimate purpose. That likeness of Jesus Christ in your life and in my life, hear what I'm saying now, is what attracts appropriate and associated results. Demons recognize and flee from the likeness of Jesus. Blessing recognizes and attaches itself to the likeness of Jesus. That is why when the glory of the Lord comes upon you, Isaiah chapter 60 verse 1, people and blessing shall come to the brightness of your rising in the likeness of Jesus Christ. You see, it is Him in you that they are attracted to. Favor and honor and blessing belong to Him. Deliverance and forgiveness belong to Him. And as He arises in you, and as we arise in likeness of Him, as these things were attracted to Jesus, so they become attracted to us. And so as darkness fled from the presence of Jesus, so too darkness will be repelled in your life. You will begin gaining victory in areas where all you've had is oppression. Darkness must give way to light. And I want to say to you folks... As we're in our week of fasting, this is the last week we're going into now. Maybe you haven't given yourself to it yet. Take a day this week. Take some time. Maybe take a few days as the Lord lays on your heart, whatever it takes, to spend time in prayer with God. But I want to say something very, as I was preparing, something very precious dropped in my heart. And I want to share it with you. Prayers are not just requests. They are conversations. Now let me ask you something. What is the purpose of a conversation? If the purpose of a conversation is to get my way, there's something wrong here. If every conversation I have with God is tasking Him what I want and telling Him what I need, there's something wrong. The purpose of a conversation, a fruitful conversation, doesn't just end in you getting what you want. It ends in a change in perspective that shifts you. And this could not be more true than in our relationship with God. What is the purpose of prayer? It's not just to bring my needs before God and present Him with a list so that I can get all my needs met. It's to have a conversation with Him in which I share the truth and the depths of my heart. I reveal before him the true things and these signposts that I see about my heart, my life, myself. These areas that I know are not conforming to his likeness yet. And I have a conversation with him in which I receive the grace and the wisdom that I need. That holy power steering. That extra bit of 4 by 4 grunt to change my perspective so that I can begin doing things in a different way so that my tomorrow looks more like him than my yesterday. It's in those conversations that we are transformed. And then our behavior is transformed. And that through that behavior, we achieve greater transformation. And through that transformation, we change greater behavior. And through that change in behavior, there is more transformation. It is the cycle that goes on and on. The cycle of the progress, the progressive, the process of becoming like Jesus Christ. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 20 to 21 says this, Now make the God of peace, who brought, you, who brought up our Lord Jesus from the dead, that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you complete. There's that process. May He make you complete in every good work to do His will, working in you, what is pleasing in His sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. That is my prayer for you in the time and season we are in. And as you continue to think about steps, as you continue to think about process, and evaluate where you are, and consider what it is that you need to change, need to give yourself to, so that the desired result you achieve becomes realized, This is the prayer I am praying for you. And I want to ask you to stand with me now as I'd like to pray it over you once again as I've just read it now. There is a wonderful journey that you and I are on in our relationship with Jesus. He is drawing near. He is wooing our hearts. And we have the privilege of of cooperating and and responding to that in love and in grace. Father, I want to thank you for every person standing in your presence right here this morning. I want to thank you that you are at work in every single heart. I thank you, Heavenly Father, that every soul in this place and within the sound of my voice is deeply, deeply precious to you. That you have a plan and a purpose for each one. That you have given a unique and a precious identity to each one. And for those, Lord God, who may feel that they have become spiritually bogged down that their ways of thinking and their habits have been stuck in ruts that need to change. I pray for a special measure of grace to be imparted today in Jesus' mighty name. I pray, my heavenly Father, that we would, in our heart attitudes, stand before you this morning, yielded, saying, Lord, I need to change these ruts. I need to get out of them, but I'm powerless to do so. I need your help. I need your grace. I say to you, if that's your prayer this morning, The Lord's presence and His grace is available for you. And it is at work in you if you will give yourself to it fully. I pray in the mighty name of Jesus, Lord God, according to your word in Hebrews chapter 13, verses 20 and 21, that through the blood of the everlasting covenant we have with you, that you would make us complete in every good work to do your will. I pray that you would work in our hearts what is well-pleasing in your sight that we may live lives that bring glory to your name forever and evermore. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen and amen. We hope that you've enjoyed this message. For additional resources and more information, come and visit us at alphaomega.org.za.